welcome to The Natural Underground, the radio show and podcast dedicated to the natural food industry. I'm your host, Al Springer. This program is brought to you by New Brand University, the educational arm of the Touch Agency. Since 1998, we've helped build out over 100 of the most successful natural brands on the planet. Great brands like Emergency, Amy's Kitchen, and the always delicious Daily Greens. Joining me in the studio today, an expert team of brand builders. We have Jessalyn, the Serena Williams of social media and marketing, completely and utterly dominant on the digital court. I won this match, Al. <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> thank oh, thank you. you, Matt, our producer with a quick trigger. <laughs> you mean all the people in the audience. That's right. Right. Not literally our tens. Live studio audience. <laughs> literally singles of people. <laughs> Ryan, the Tom Brady of new product launches. It's high and, praise. Yeah, it is high praise, except we're not sure, like kind of Tom Brady, we're not sure he's that good, but he always <laughs> seems to be surrounded by supermodels which seems important to somebody somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure Tom Brady's that good. Yeah, no, you're right. That's kind of a bad, was bad, it was a bad angle. Who he's like 37 multiple over. Super Bowls. He's what proven it by now. If he nobody thinks it. he's overrated. Oh. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, on today's show, as you know, each episode of The Natural Underground features a long format interview with an entrepreneur, a founder of a successful food or beverage company. You get to hear their stories, learn how they developed their product, and built out their brand. If you love coffee, you are going to love today's episode. Yes. We have a special guest, Chris Campbell from Chameleon Cold Brew Coffee. Which this is the stuff you see everywhere. I have in my thermos right now. Yeah. That's not a joke. <laughs> cool, cool. It's got the little chameleon nice. on the front, obviously. Yeah. But they, it's in bottles. They just came out so with cool. a new flavor, too. Texas pecan wow. or pecan, depending pecan. on your... Texas Pecan. We can ask him the proper pronunciation. That's right. <laughs> He's from Dripping Springs, or at least went to high dripping. school out there. He'll know. He'll, He'll know, know from the dripping. proper pronunciation. Yeah, so later in the show, we're going to learn about everything um, from Chris, about cold brew coffee, and much more. As a reminder, you can follow us on Facebook at The Natural Underground. And if you have a question about anything you hear on this show, feel free to email us at info at newbrainuniversity.com. And I apologize if I seem, speaking of coffee, if I seem distracted today. But I did not have my coffee this morning, and that got me thinking, and it probably explains a few things. It explains so a lot. It does. <laughs> there is a lot to explain. So this has happened to me now three times, and I'm getting concerned. Okay. So not, but about a week ago, I was in a hotel parking lot, walked out, sat in somebody else's car, not my own. I, <laughs> hey, number one, I, you know, people can help me by locking their doors, because I don't know how I'm able to get into so many cars. That but is this concerning. This is the third that really time is. that I've just sat in someone's car, and it wasn't until I sort of breathed in and realized, wow, it didn't somebody smell like smells. you. This doesn't smell. <laughs> These aren't my smells. <laughs> These are not my smells. Uh, but I look. So I've done that three times now. The highlight of which was about a year ago. Again, you, probably an early morning. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I was so impressed by this because I was outside a grocery store and I came running and it was morning. And I was trying to go mm -hmm. get stuff to make breakfast. Mm -hmm. I come back and I throw open the door I sit down there's already someone in the passenger seat so I sit in the guy's lap and <laughs> I know how I would have reacted which is whoa which is this oh, guy. Yeah. yeah this guy was so cool this is all he said occupado <laughs> and I remember thinking, that's, that's a smooth incredible. operator early in the morning. Just drop <laughs> occupado on you instead of, hey, buddy, what are you doing? 
So I think it's a reminder <laughs> that we need coffee. Jocelyn, I'm sure you've had some sort of yeah, I should have had coffee moment. I've been thinking about this because I can't really come up with something better than that story. That's horribly embarrassing. That's incredible. <laughs> it's real. Sadly, it's real. Sort of my life is sort of everyday little things. Something that I've done more than once in life. You know how you sort of get ready in the morning, maybe you brush your teeth, you start thinking no, about No, we the- don't do that. Okay, well, I do. Yeah. And I uh, usually, you know, turn on the shower and then you go to get in the shower. And a few times I've been so sort of delirious that I've got in the shower in like my pajamas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I've done that a few times. I'm not a morning person until even when I have coffee, it's still a slow uh, morning wake up. So I've I've got in the shower in my pajamas before. I've walked into the shower holding my cell phone, still Ooh. texting, but not oh. fully... Uh, not with pants. That's a technology wow. addiction with, right there. With, oh, not, <laughs> speaking wow. of technology. Yeah. Hello, Ryan. Yeah, that was perfect timing. <laughs> I wasn't Ryan? sure if the producer was doing yeah. that or not. <laughs> What's your wake up uh, story? Uh, mine, it's happened to me twice. It was in college. Um, I would wake up, make myself some cereal, go to class, come back, and my roommates would be laughing at me. And they'd, they'd like, well, I'd be like, why? What's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, we found the milk carton where the cereal box goes and the cereal box in the <laughs> oh, milk yeah. section of the fridge. That's a coffee <laughs> So just like hitting it. That is exactly a coffee moment. That's pretty funny. All right. Well, uh, speaking of food in the morning, let's talk about some of our addictions this week. It's time for our What Are You Eating This Week? Our salute to our better for you food or beverage addictions. Time's wasting, don't you know? Put something tasty in my old pie. It will remain funny for the rest of time. <laughs> the word <laughs> pie It's hole. so pretty, actually. It's it like is. a pretty jingle. It is. It's sort a little of muffled. Words. It sounds like she's singing in a can, but it's... Or uh, in the shower with yeah, her pajamas on. Yeah, maybe that's it. It all comes together. <laughs> okay, my addiction for this week, and I've been snacking on it. I have a bag right here, as you can hear. Wildway Grain-Free Granola. If you have not tried this product, you're lost, people. This stuff is amazing. Look, I've said on this show before that I love granola. I have several go-to brands, 18 Rabbits, a snack... Uh, granola called Woats that's really oh, good. Well, Love really them good. all. But if you want to try a grain-free granola, and look, y- y- you are giving up nothing on the taste thing. It tastes uh-huh. delicious. It's fantastic. I want to introduce you to Wildway Grain-Free Granola. The stuff, it's soft and chewy. There's no oats, no grain fillers of any of any kind like that. And my favorite part, no added sugar, at least the one that i am uh, been uh, uh, noshing on. Look, I'm eating the coconut cashew it is incredibly tasty, really amazing. The ingredient uh, deck reads like a recipe like we always talk, always talk about, which mm-hmm. makes it delicious. Um, to learn more, you want to go to Wild Way of Life. That's wildwayoflife.com. Jess? So my favorite snack of this week, it's actually something I tried a few years ago at Expo, and I've been snacking on them ever since. These bear apple chips. I don't know if you've ever had them before. They're very good. I really like dried fruit. Um, but these are like some dried fruit is um, maybe more chewy. This is like a crunchy chip. So they're Wait, ap- these are the guys. Do they also have banana chips or am mm-hmm. I getting confused? Yeah, they yeah. have other fruit. I do But the notice. apple is my favorite. They have uh, Granny Smith, Fuji, and cinnamon apple chips. The cinnamon apple oh. are great. They also have organic varieties of each of those different kinds of apples. That sounds good. They're slowly baked, so they achieve that kind of caramelized flavor with no sugar added. Uh, I also really like the Granny Smith ones because they kind of have that sour bite. 
Um, they're non-GMO verified, and the company as a whole is also a certified B Corp. So I cool. feel good about yeah, fully committed buying that brand. Yeah, there it's a great um, snack. It's kind of dangerous because you can eat so many of them. If you eat the whole package, you've realized there's like three apples in the package. You've eaten like three apples in one sitting. Um, they're available at Sprouts, Whole Foods, Target, and HEB here in town in Austin. If you want more information or if you want to buy them online, you can visit bearsnacks.com. Right. My brand is one that's close to my heart from when I was very little. Uh, Amy's Kitchen. Oh, yeah. Right. The most recognized frozen food, right. natural frozen food company. Let me guess. Those little burritos? Those no, little pocket burritos? Those little tiny pocket things. Those are wonderful. But I actually like the bean and cheese burritos. Like the oh, burrito. straight up burrito. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been eating those since John Stewart was on MTV. Well, that's wow. amazing. How old are you? <laughs> yeah. We thought you were just He's 25. I'm not actually sure that's true. But I've always <laughs> wanted to say sounds, that phrase. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they were the trailblazer for natural, better for you, frozen. Uh, still carry the banner in that category. I mean, right. they got multiple doors in mainstream places. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the gateway, one of the gateway things to. <laughs> You're all about natural. the gateway. I to am. Natural I'm, food. T- I'm about pulling people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to try it you know, the first time. My political science background. You go after those independent voters. Yes, <laughs> bring them into uh, the brand. <laughs> yeah. uh, Best of all for us, they were an original client of the Touch Agency. Oh, yeah, almost like number three. Uh, yeah, which makes time. us forever proud of their success. They're helping us. You know, Every year they do better and better. And if you want to know more, visit them at amyskitchen.com or follow them on social media. I love it. Man, that's a, just a classic, yeah. great Or go to brand. any it grocery is. store because they're, yeah, they're everywhere. They are everywhere. But, uh, so that was hardly a discovery, but it's a fantastic <laughs> yeah. Check it out, guys. Yeah, up and comers. He just found it. I expect big things. <laughs> All right, it's time for a break. When we come back, we'll be interviewing the founder of Chameleon Cold Brew Coffee, Chris Campbell. You're going to love the guy. You're listening to The Natural Underground. It's up to you. Welcome back to The Natural Underground. We are all very excited, and someone's going to need to calm me down personally. You are very excited. Because I'm jacked up right now. Yes. I actually got some coffee. I have the mocha in my thermos. Um, we have our guest entrepreneur here, Chris Campbell, CEO of Chameleon Cold Brew. We're some very tasty, excited. tasty stuff. Yeah, we've had my two favorite brands on two weeks in a row, Not A Moon, now Chameleon, so I'm very, very excited. Uh, you can find this product literally everywhere in Austin. Now it's starting to take over the country, and we are very excited to have you here Absolutely. today. Absolutely. Chris, welcome to the Natural Underground. Howdy. Yes. <laughs> so for our listeners, what is cold brew coffee? It's exactly what it sounds like. I know that's an amazing <laughs> that's, answer. Okay, walk us through that no, a little it's, bit. It's, okay, it's, good interview. It's coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it is coffee brewed at a cold temperature, which requires a lot more time, right. as opposed mm-hmm. to a hot temperature, which you do at home in a drip coffee maker or a French press. So right. for us, it's basically a process of gigantic tanks, and we steep it for over 16 hours at cold Colder temperatures. Like real cold or no, more like not like cold, refrigerator. Cold. Like room okay. temperature okay. or something? A little bit, little bit less. A I have less. a feeling it's answer. a secret. <laughs> it's it a is. Little <laughs> bit of a secret. It's a secret. little bit of a secret. Yeah. But, um, but when we started in the early days, right, it was just at ambient because that's what we could do. And then we put it in a cooler. And then now we have you know full temperature controls on everything that we do. But ultimately, it's steep for a long period of time. The result is a coffee with half the acid, less bitterness, fewer tannins, and more caffeine. Awesome. So none of the bad stuff, all the great stuff, 
And here we are. And it's become a really big thing. It seems like, obviously, with Chameleon, but but really, you see brands around the country now doing this. So it seems like there's a movement towards cold brew coffee. Yes, uh, Starbucks wow. announced that they are going. They did all their stores last year. They've got RTD ready to drink bottled cold brew coffee coming to the shelf. Oh wow! Um, in about three weeks, you know, Starbucks endorsement right as the largest coffee retailer on the right. planet. And then actually, I read yesterday that Dunkin' Donuts has now announced that they'll mm. be bringing mm. cold brew to their stores in about two weeks. I, I think I saw a sign. Time. Yep. Or maybe I read the same thing you did. Uh, that was, uh, wow. That You, that, That's you know it's broad appeal. So they're the there. largest. Yeah. Um, Starbucks sells more coffee. Dunkin' sells more iced coffee. Hmm. Um, and between the two of them, it's huge. You know, Pete's Coffee and Tea has got it in their stores right. this year. So it's it's that's all happened in the last six months. Is there a different taste for people who are, you know, look, we know people love coffee and take it very, very seriously. Well, ask Jessalyn. She's drinking it. Exactly. She's it right completely committed. No, it is. Is there a different taste? It is. So there's, right, anytime you make a cup of coffee, regardless of how you make it, you've got the components of the coffee itself, the green coffee, the roast, the water, the time, and the temp. Those okay. are the five basic variables. So we start with the green coffee, and we're very, very careful and very particular about what we do there. And we have a very specific roasting method. So we use convection air roasting. Uh, it's the difference. Think about popcorn, right? It's the difference okay. between a hot air popcorn popper and the uh, cast iron skillet or the Jiffy Pop. Right. right. So one is heated metal that the beans are coming into contact with, and it spins. That's traditional drum roasting, what you see most places. Okay. We air roast more like the popcorn popper, right? So the, the we have very specific temperature control um, down to the tenth of a degree, and we're wow. able to really, really dial in exactly what we want. And that is great because we get better flavor out of it, but it's also a challenge because there aren't really any industrial-sized air roasters. So early days, it was easy. Now we just have to keep daisy chain together the string of roasters so that we can can meet our demand so now that summer we you just can't lay them all out on the driveway it doesn't work that way that doesn't give you the precision you that you're looking for but if the driveway were high the trick would be keeping the beans off the pavement somehow with air that would be very oh that would be good um no so in the end of the day all those components come together in a very specific process for us that gives a smoother easier drinking a lower acidity lower acidity and fewer tannins so less bitterness coffee which at the end of the day also allows a consumer to maybe use less cream and sugar, mm-hmm. less additives to the coffee. Which and, then and means healthier. Means healthier. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, Jessalyn was asking <laughs> us earlier, when it came to your beans, she was practicing. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say Yes, yeah, she was asking about I your beans. I had a lot of questions. I didn't want to say it wrong. <laughs> right. The type of bean that you use. So I went to a dictionary, and I just thought everyone should listen to this very interesting sound clip. Here we go. Arabica coffee. Yeah, so, so I thought. We want to know why do you use why do you use Arabica coffee? <laughs> so there's two key varietals: robusta or robusta, robusta, I, robusta, and Arabica. Um, the the long and short of it is the Arabica coffees um, are are much more developed strain of coffee, right? It's a little bit like Bordeaux, and call it newer strains of sort of um, coffee that you might find in the the West Plains of Texas, right? Right. Um, but Arapica as a strain uh, is uh, smoother. It's um, less available. It's higher cost. So mm. when you go to commodity coffees, stuff that is just, you know, a buck a pound, buck 50 a pound, a lot of that's going to be Robusta coffee. A lot of that's coming out of Asia, right? A ton of Robusta comes out of Vietnam. Um, 
not that it's bad coffee. It's just Different, what we do. Yeah. It's not what we need. Yep. And so we focus on the specialty coffee market, which is going to be 100% um, Arabica coffee. Arabica coffee. <laughs> and or, you know what we're buying is probably represents the top 3%, the top 3% yep. of coffee in the world. Wow. Wow. Well, Very now cool. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I, Arabica. You've got it, Arabica. It right. We've all been practicing. So we mentioned earlier, coffee is such, is such a thing that stirs loyalty, passion in people. They love coffee. It's a routine. We met Linda, who's sometimes on mm-hmm. our show, you know, she's communicated to you before how wildly She's really loyal. upset she's not Vigorously. Here. Yes. Yeah. Terribly yeah. upset she's not on this thing. So thinking about the years you've had this now, what is the funniest or most amazing, amazingly passionate testimonial because the stuff is so good that anybody other than Linda, our own Linda, has anybody given you on this brand? Tough question. No, not at all. I would tough to choose. Yeah. It's it's an envious position to be in. That's when Um, you know the brand's good when they, because we've asked that question before and a guy's like, no, nobody really. Uh, (laughs) So this is good. No, envious position to be in, but um, you know, we, we get a fair number and they tend to, have a theme right which is i gave up coffee because fill okay. in the blank right too much acid i've i had to have a ton of cream and sugar because otherwise mm-hmm. unpalatable and i didn't want to put that in my body so there's some, there tends to be a setup i gave up coffee because then i found your coffee and uh-huh. now now i'm back right i'm now part of the club again so to your point about um ritual routine culture and significance those are key factors, and we've been able to tap into something very visceral for somebody and like allow them back into the club. And we got a great one that came in through, I think, through our Facebook page about a week ago, yeah. and uh, it got forwarded on to me. And basically, this woman wrote a very long, very, very kind essay on all the ways that we had improved her life <laughs> and just closed out with, you know, could you please pass this along to the owner? Because I know as an entrepreneur, a lot of times you don't ever get to hear what you're doing right. That's you only hear what you're doing cool. wrong. Made me feel great. You know, we framed it, sent it out to the oh, team nice. and, and did a nice oh, little thing with it nice. and sent her a boatload of free coffee. Not that that's a ticket or an invitation to a bunch of free here. coffee. We've, essay, I'm going right? to send it. Essay. Look for my email later today. <laughs> uh, we've worked with, we claim at the Touch Agency, about 103 brands since 1998. And I mean it sincerely. I can only think of a handful that sort of stir the kind of consumer loyalty and passion that we see with what, what what happens with Chameleon. So that's awesome. Let's go back a little now, a little bit as you launch the brand. You guys have a ready-to-drink uh, skew and a from Concentrate one. Which one came first? And when you were starting it, did you already think you were going to do both? Or was it one you had in mind and then the other one kind of blossomed out? Black of Concentrate was the unflavored, unsugared, un. Uh, lightened is what we would say. Like so the no hardcore cream. one. Was yeah, that? yeah, yeah. And honestly, we started there. We always knew RTD was in the path for us. But at the time, right, Starbucks has 85% share in the ready-to-drink coffee category. It's right. a billion-three business um, at 2 bucks, 250 We couldn't compete. There was no point in us trying to do that. So we started with the concentrate, which is also quite frankly, what we prefer to drink anyways. Mm-hmm. And and we felt like there was white space in the market. So we developed the concentrate from an existing formula, figured out how to scale it, took it to market there. We always knew we would go down the RTD path. We were just waiting for the right time. And honestly, the market told us when, when the time was. And the market told us through customers saying, that's great, I love your concentrate, but you know, this is what I need for this use occasion or for this spot in my store or whatever. 
That makes I, would, sense. I would imagine then, and just to your point, you, there was a little explaining needed, though, to the consumer about concentrate because we live in a world where you pop the top and start drinking. Lucy, well, at least some, I do. You got some explaining to do. You got some explaining to do. Wow, he brought, this guy had, brought his own sound yeah, effect. That's yeah. nice. That is a guest right there. Have you had people drink right out of it and maybe yeah not so <laughs> early on we were at that will go unnamed it's a large um tech company where we supply coffee and it was in the first Com- commodore 64. first year yeah yeah commodore yeah, yeah. How'd, you, how'd you know yeah. um no and one guy came up and said hey look you know mea culpa a little bit my fault i didn't read the label i just slammed 16 ounces of your cold <laughs> oh, and i had to go home right. He's like, I drink it in five minutes. I had to go home. Oh my I was, gosh! I was so overcaffeinated. I couldn't. I, you know, I couldn't right. function. I couldn't. But he built a wing on his house that afternoon. <laughs> yeah, really yeah. cool. <laughs> it's not there today. It's fallen down. Yeah, he, his entire yeah, he was hurrying. Life. He was hurrying. No, and so to the point. Um, there's been a lot of education. Consumer education engagement is one of our our key areas of investment. Mm-hmm. And. Um, some people get it, some people don't. But once they get it, they're, they're customers for a very long time. Chris, if someone was going to try one flavor of chameleon, like you get to, you know, they're on an island. I don't know what this setup is. I'm yeah, just they're gonna, not going to yeah, be able to buy yeah. others. <laughs> Somehow somebody's delivered a small refrigerator with cold brew coffee. But if you, if, they could, if you could have them try one flavor, what would it be? What is the one? If you try this, you're hooked. Well, like every like every good answer to a good question, it's it depends. Yeah, right, it's all. But your, no, all I would I would I would say it's the original black concentrate because it's the purest expression of what we do. Okay, and then from there, if you're an indulgent person, it's the Mexican coffee. If you're a convenience person, but you like the black coffee, it's espresso. So we've created drinks for different sort of um, flavor preferences. But yeah, I would start with the with the original. And then, how do you pick these? How do you guys develop these flavors? We just wing it. Do you really? Make stuff. Yeah, we have a dartboard with different flavors on it. And we throw <laughs> nickel. Know. Mustard. Pickle. No, I, I mean, mustard. honestly, it, it is very <laughs> internal. We don't do big focus groups. We don't spend a bunch of money on consumer research. We simply make what we like to drink, and then we listen to our customers and our consumers. Wow, you guys have done an amazing job. I'm happy job. to report. I went to HEB with the specific purpose of trying the new Texas Buchanan. Delicious. There wasn't it was all any. gone, right? It was yeah, all gone. they're blowing through it. All right, They're look, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> We're keeping Chris around for a couple of segments here, so we need to take a commercial break. Uh, when we come back, more of Chris Campbell from Chameleon Cold Brew. You're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back to the Natural Underground. We're back with Chris Campbell from Chameleon Cold Brew Coffee. We're already uh, craving coffee now that uh, I already have some. Yeah, now that we had uh, him in the first segment. I got Before it. we talk more about the brand, let's talk more about you, Chris. This is where it gets real personal. <laughs> real mm-hmm. personal. How do you feel today? Yeah. <laughs> what color are you today? What's your emotional color? I'm black coffee all the time. <laughs> I like. Look, uh, you grew up in Dripping Springs, Texas. Or at least you went to high school. Yeah, there, yeah, right? finished, yeah, finished yeah. growing up. In that, that's mm-hmm. right. So when you were in high school, did you want to be a business guy, or were you thinking about something cool like cowboy or astronaut, <laughs> or maybe a cowboy astronaut? <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, yeah, I wasn't focused on being a business guy at all. I, like any good 17, 18 year old, I didn't have a freaking clue. Um, or whatever clues I had you were, were just, really bad ideas. You want to play in the NBA, on. it'll be easy. It'll make $10 million. <laughs> you played basketball. Great. I remember I that. Did. That's right. I did. Um, 
No, you know, I think the, the, the plan was pretty typical, right? Head off to college. At the time, I wanted to be a pilot, right? And so um, that, was the, that was the plan. And then I, I found out the bad news that I needed glasses. Oh. And I was never going to fly um, in wow. that scenario. So, you can't have glasses at all? Uh, no. Just... So I, this to, if you're going to fly for the Air Force, right? Oh, gosh. He that has was no the nose, plan. Jocelyn. <laughs> you yeah. know that people can't see. He has no nose. That's a, what a question to ask. <laughs> We're just supposed to play it through. He can't wear glasses. You know that. So, yeah, so. That, that. That's how we found out. Right. <laughs> so anyways. Okay, well, so what did you say? You're off to college. You're off to college. Of, off to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you attend? Where did you... Uh, Texas. Actually, of University course. of Texas. Of course. What did you study there? History. So medieval religious history. Good for every businessman wow. that you can think of. Right? Super so easy. So many CEOs. Really, really, That's really interesting. Super easy really to convert easy. that. But, hey, you know, the upside is I learned how to write. You know? yeah, I learned right. how to form an argument, create a thesis, mm-hmm. take a position, and write it all down. And so that has proven to be helpful over time. The plan was law school. Then I got to work with some lawyers and decided that sucked. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. It's not like, I don't know it's not like is, TV no. is kind no. of what I learned. Um, and I, you know, it looked like I was going to be reading contracts all day, every day for the rest of my life. And that sounded pretty miserable. So I went into real estate development. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, know, right? I didn't yeah. know that. that I, didn't see that yeah. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. I worked see. for a company called American Campus Communities, still here in Austin. Okay. They are the largest student housing uh, real estate investment trust in the country. And I was like employee three or four or five, something like that early and, and learn the real estate game is, which is where I discovered I had a deficiency in finance. So I went back, got a master's degree in finance and then from there into consulting and from consulting to here. Okay. And then what made you make that final jump here? And hopefully it's not your final jump. You know, Chris, what, off the Chris edge. is about 85, yeah. 85. <laughs> but what no, made you know, what, my epiphany, right? I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this where there's some moment that they say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to yep. stop talking about it. I'm going to put up or shut up. Okay. So for me is sitting at the airport in Atlanta as a consultant, I traveled every week. And so did my wife as a, as a, for a large consulting firms that we both work for. And I heard her name get called over the PA for a seat change. And I had no idea she was there. She's banging around on her computer. I'm banging away on mine. It's 10 o'clock at night, last flight home to Austin. And I looked up and we were like three rows apart and had no idea. We were even in the same airport. We didn't know. And that's like, this is just stupid. (laughs) Um, And we wanted a life that was different than that. So I was further in my career. She was starting. She wanted to stay. I wanted to go. So I pulled the ripcord and jumped. Yeah, but why cold brew? I get all that for entrepreneurship. Right. How, so why the coffee? I had this great list of stuff I wanted. I wanted 3x margins. I wanted low inventory requirements. And I wanted direct-to-consumer business. And I wanted a, a consumer package kit, right? And I only the only thing out of all of those that I got was a consumer package kit. I was going to say, yeah, miss, yeah. miss, well miss. Right? <laughs> um, so ultimately, I took a year and a half, two years off. I traveled all over the world, um, did an around-the-world trip, had a great time, and was looking for the next thing. I knew I wasn't going to learn how to be a tech entrepreneur not what I know how to do. I'm not going to code. I'm not going to create the next technology. And I needed to bootstrap it for a relatively small amount of money. And we got to a point two years when my wife's like tapping her watch and she looks at me and, and I think the exact words were, you got to S-H-T or get off the pot, dude. Wow. There's one we'll have to edit. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you've got not to- Not for uh, the podcast, just for the air. You've got yeah. to have some movement or, uh, you know, get going there, bro. Yeah, right. So- uh, <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> that's what you know, kind of led me to a point where I got to know my partner, a guy named Steve Williams, and there was an original. There was a third original partner that that opted not to uh, put up the dollars when the time came and okay. bailed out on the business. 
And we saw a product at Whole Foods that was flying off the shelves. They couldn't keep it in stock. We thought we could do it better. And we knew from my partner's business that he's moving a lot of cold brewed coffee by the cup out of his coffee this shop. This is from a coffee house. From yeah, a coffee right. house, right. Yeah. And so we kind of took, took those three things on faith. And we said, look, for a small amount of money, we can brew some up, see what happens. Austin's pretty forgiving in terms of small local retailers that you can walk in with a free case and say, hey, put it right. on your shelf, see if it sells. If it sells, you know, pay me for the next one. And that's quite frankly how it how it went. So those were the early days mm-hmm. uh, at Chameleon. How, so how many flavors did you start with in the beginning? Was it just the black? One. One flavor, two sizes. And what right. was the first place you got distribution in? Well, so the first retailer was a place called The Whippin'. That's yes. The Whippin'. <laughs> um, That's uncomfortable for some reason. <laughs> yeah. you do that? Whip. Especially when you that, say well, that, that voice. That is a weird yeah. word. And yet, could you please whip. do it one more time? A whip. Whip. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in any case, that was, that's where we started. I mean, they're just very open and accommodating. And then to a little bit larger, our first grocery retailer uh, was Wheatsville Co-op, um, which is the largest co-op grocer here in Austin, but also one of the larger ones in the country from a volume basis. And then we had given ourselves six months to say we've got to have a meaningful milestone. That could have been a major retailer. That could have been a significant distribution jump. We didn't really put specificity to it. And for us, that happened to be Whole Foods. So the first PO from purchase order from Whole Foods comes in about five months into the business, which allows us all of a sudden, right, okay, now we have 25 Whole Foods stores, we have multi-state distribution, and then that got to new distributors, new regions, and we grew the business from there. Awesome. So big success story. You mentioned that progression, mm-hmm. uh, but what was the first, what, what store did you walk into when you could look and say, whoa, it kind of dawned on you, this is actually working. It's turning fast selling well this feels great so when we when we got to whole foods flagship store um here in austin with the the company headquarters above which that store for those of you who don't um uh, have never been there it's got huge amount of volume Mm -hmm. tons of people it's a tourist destination and so when we saw in that store that they couldn't keep it on the shelf right we knew okay this will translate out and and go other places and then when we saw numbers trickle in outside of our hometown, right? Because in our hometown, we're out there demoing all the time. Right. We're in the stores. Our friends and family are out there. But Tulsa, not so much. <laughs> and so when it starts to move in those outlying markets, then it then it really works. That's when you knew. That's when it's like, knew. hey, this is selling beyond yeah, just sort of a college groovy That's town. when we kind of committed. My wife and I doubled down and, and doubled the amount of investment. And then we... we we're ready to go. Let's talk about that for a minute. So you've got you're at that investment point. You're having to commit a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So what is what where did you ever have that point? And or maybe it was every, every you call it a Tuesday. It was every week. But did you have that point when you thought I don't know? And how did you fight through that? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. You, but how did you fight through it? Um, just worked hard. And I know that's cliche, but the reality is nobody else was going to do it. So it meant I had to be in the kitchen at 5 a.m. I had to be in the truck at 10 a.m. I had to be doing everything on Google at night, learning how do you how do you pasteurize coffee and put it in a bottle? Where do you find caps for bottles? Where do you find labels? How do you find a designer? Um, and so all of those things, and we just persevered because I think the reality for me is I didn't want to go back to the corporate gig. Right. That's a hard adjustment, isn't it? Even imagining did to imagine it. Yeah. We're the same way. We're all working kind of on a business that we started. It's hard to imagine going back and just that rigmarole and uh, somebody else in control of your destiny. It is. And, and it's, the unproductive, it's, the inefficiency of day, all day meetings, <laughs> all the things that happen in a big office. Random interviews. Random no. radio no, no, interviews. No, no, no. Yes. But the, the interesting thing now is we're getting to a size and a scale that we're starting to 
need some of that corporate stuff, right? So we need HR policies right. and we need hiring processes and we need, um, you know, a controller that watches the dollars real carefully. And so it's interesting to say, how do we continue to be true to that entrepreneurial spirit? Because a big part of why we win in the marketplace, because our team feels that and they, they evoke that. But at the same token, we're building a large business all of a sudden. Um, that's, that's, it was one thing to say, Hey, we tripled in size between year one and year two. Well, that's great. You went from one to three, Good right. job. <laughs> but from go to, to, to be in the millions and still doing that, that's, that's where it gets pretty exciting. And how do you keep that culture though, of a entrepreneurial sort of nimble, cool as you grow? So we do a couple of things. Um, we're very selective on how we hire. It's, it's kind of a policy that we're sort of slow to hire, but we're also quick to fire, right? So if it's just not working, even if you're productive and you're just not a fit, we, we have to move on. And usually it's both sides, right? It's you, not me. It's me, not right, you. Right, right. Um, and so we, we're, we're pretty <laughs> adamant about that. Um, we do a fair amount of social stuff, right? So we get together a lot and we, we try to have a good time. And, team building. And, and, and do that. Yep. yep. Um, and then we try to keep the office staff small and the field team is where we invest in personnel. And, and by definition, those people are, we call them market makers. It's your market. This is your territory or this is your channel. You own that business. You're compensated based on that. Accountability. You have a huge amount based. of leeway yep. To, yep. to make your own decisions and you have your own budget and go do it. And if you are successful, you win big with us. And if you fail, you're gone. I love it. Cool. All right. So you, you have all these great, great flavors. You've got this great success story. You got a number of retailers. As much as you can, what's the next big vision for what's the big, as much as you can talk about it, what's the next big thing for community? So what I can say is I think that that, that path is pretty well laid out. I mean, we know where we're going. Um, and that's, that's kind of been the way from day one. I mean, we've known each other for years and that's very much our MO. Um, for us, it's going to be the dominant brand um, at the premium end of, of not just cold brew coffee, but I would call um, on the go coffee. Right. So whether it's liquid or other formats are all areas that we're looking at. Yep. Wow. Awesome. What a brand. Look, it's time for our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk just a little bit more with Chris. What advice you would give young entrepreneurs, people who are maybe just starting the brand other than run, just run, go hide. Right. We'll be back with Chris from Chameleon Cold Brew Coffee. You're listening to The Natural Underground. back to the natural underground in our final segment we want to dig into some lessons learned from our guest entrepreneur chris campbell from chameleon cold brew chris welcome back thank you very much you know i had a question for you i wanted to ask uh, last segment and that is that uh when you're starting a company you usually have a bunch of all-rounder employees such as yourself you were googling stuff you were learning you were probably kind of a jack of all trades now that you're scaling up a little bit now the chameleon's got some real traction are you hiring specialists and how is that affecting your company culture and and you do. You have to, right? So the needs of the business. So for example, the last two weeks, we just hired a senior VP of operations. That's a specialized knowledge set. So when I'm doing it by hand, learning what I can on the internet, buying stuff at a home brew place, or you're making granola in a rented kitchen or brownies or whatever your thing is, that's fine. But at some point you engage with businesses much larger in scale than yourself, populated by those specialists. Mm. 
So you've got to be on equal footing. And so whether it's in the marketing department, finance, HR, whatever the, the area of specialty is, you will reach a, a point at which two things occur. You need them to be able to engage with those folks toe to toe, but you also have enough work within that specialized vertical to right. justify a position. In the beginning, you don't, right? You, we, we needed a, a bookkeeper 10 hours a week. Well, finding a good person who's only looking for 10 hours a week is pretty Not tough. Easy. So you have to manufacture other work or you have to get lucky or you look at students. But then you reach a point at which the health of the business requires those specialists, but then also, you know, the nature of what you're doing allows for it. I love right. it. Look, if you could go, let's stick in the entrepreneurial sort of flow here. If you could go back to day one, you're at Chameleon, probably in your house, I would imagine, mm-hmm. was, was day one. What would you go back and what little secret would you whisper in your own ear? And I don't mean in a weird way. Maybe you whisper in your ear regularly. I don't know. How It'll you do all that. be okay. It'll be, all be okay. That'd be a heck of a skill if I that, could whisper yeah. in my ear. He would never leave home. All right. So what, <laughs> what little secret would you whisper to yourself based on what you've learned these years since then? I think there's, there's two. There's the pragmatic and there's the philosophical. The pragmatic is don't be cheap on lawyers and accountants. <laughs> Right, okay. right. Get for those things that are critical to sort of your long-term health, and you, they're not your skill set. Don't just cheap out. Right, mm-hmm. online is not the place to go for that. That is so um, good. It's easy to do, and 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 it like depends on your individual situation. But those are two places that it's worth if you're going to be big, because later down the road, decisions you made five years ago can crop up. And be difficult to manage. Even basic things, I would imagine, like business structure. Yeah, that's, structure that's of the no, company, it's, it's, it is the those basic agreements because yeah, those are foundation elements, right? So where you incorporate, how you do it, how you structure your partnership, how you structure intellectual property rights, mm-hmm. um, how you uh, make sure you're designed for the proper tax treatment. That if your plan is to sell your business, operate your business, raise capital, whatever it is, that you've thought through all that on the front end because it will be much more expensive to unwind it on the back end. That's number one. And then on the, on the philosophical, I would say at the end of the day, if you're the founder and you're the CEO, recognize that it's by definition a lonely job and be prepared to just trust yourself, listen to your team, but trust yourself to make the right call day in and day out and move, move on through whatever it is that you're, you're confronting and, um, you know, I think I was surprised at just at the end of the day, you're the solo decider on everything. And that was, that was an education for me. Was that, how did you manage? You know, we get so many brands, particularly in the early stages, talking or just uh, very open about the stress they feel, mm-hmm. the difficulty of going to sleep at night at mm-hmm. 12.01, still laying there and wondering, you know, all the things we're worrying about. If you had advice for young entrepreneurs, how did you manage what we term entrepreneurial anxiety? I don't know if there's a great answer to that. I think everybody's wired so individually. I mean, I was 35 pounds skinnier than I was. I am now at the height of the the stress, right? I wasn't eating, not right. sleeping That's right. Crazy. Just yeah, not taking Where care of yourself. Where did those 35 pounds come from? <laughs> it was I was not it was ugly, right? I mean, yeah. it, was, it was just it was just a super I mean, people were worried about me and I think so so my way of dealing with it was just to work, you know, yep. 22 hours a day and forget to eat. And, right. And, and that's not good. So you got to find your own thing. I mean, I'm coming around reconnecting with exercise, reconnecting yep. with good diet, nutrition, um, reconnecting with family. 
So at the end of the day, I guess if I had to give one answer, um, make sure you have a support network, whatever that is for you. And figure out when the, you're crossing those lines that you can't come back from yep. physically, whatever. Very yep. interesting. Let's go back to the brand a little bit. So you came in towards the front end of the cold brew, really a pioneer in mm-hmm. cold brew, a coffee, particularly as a consumer packaged good. You know, how much, and we touched on this earlier, but how much education was required and how did you go about turning consumers on to what this stuff is? What did that look like? I mean, so for us in the early days, it was all personal demos. Sampling. Right? You know, and, and I mean, let me rephrase that back up a little bit. In CPG, consumer packaged goods, the, the, the package, the physical form on the shelf is your number one billboard. And it's got to win there, right? And you probably don't have incremental marketing dollars or, or, you know, you'd be spending them on, on true billboards. Instead, you put it in your package. So the story you tell, the instructions you provide, um, the, the feel and context that you deliver is key. So once you've overcome that hurdle and somebody's willing to pick it up and read, then it's about, in our case, liquid to lips, right? So whether it's a food product, a beverage product, whatever it is you're doing, getting them to taste it. So A, better taste good. You get one chance. So make sure you've done that right. And then in the early days, I think aggressive demo, get your friends, get your family, interns. I mean, we were paying kids nothing as marketing interns out of, out of colleges and universities to just go to the stores and sample, sample, sample. So be prepared to give it away for a yeah. while. Yeah. And that, that hurts, right? Because as, as the owner, you know that that, yeah. that thing was like 50 cents, 50 yeah, cents, 50 every cents. Every time. <laughs> Um, but it's it's a key part, and and you know we've evolved to a point where we do less of that today, and we do other things for our marketing um, investments. But in the early days, that's that's what you do. And then, how much education then was required directed towards the retailer? So you get the consumer, uh, and I mean it's funny when you said personal demos. I was imagining we just knocked on doors. Hey, would, <laughs> would you, you like, like a try? personal yeah. demo? Yeah, <laughs> a random guy. I have a food product. <laughs> a little, would you like to little, taste uh, it? Folding table, tent, just out on the garage uh, a floor. And explain it, but so you you get the consumers to try it. But how, what education was required of getting retailers to understand what is true? And you know, we always say the other side of innovation. It's all great and cool, except nobody knows where to put it. Mm-hmm. Nobody, the retailers don't know how to merchandise it. How did you attack that? So we were fortunate in that we had consumer pull, so we had consumer requests for the product um, that was pretty meaningful, right? Percolating up to the retailers. Right. But to your point, you know, the pragmatic side of when you sit down with the buyer and you try and sort that all out, at some point you have to charm them. They need to like you. The economics on the product have to work very well for them to take the risk. And you have to remove all barriers to saying no. Well, who's your distributor? I don't have one. Bad answer, right? If I ordered a truckload, can you do it? Yes. Yeah. You know, and all of those (laughs) things. And so you just got to have all of those things laid out and know what the hell you're doing, even if you don't know what you're doing when you walk in the door and then early, as soon as you can hire professionals to answer those questions. Right. You know, so our first, our first big hire was our VP of sales and she walked in the door with the answers or if she didn't have the answers, she had them in a week and she knew the language and she knew what she needed to, to do to get the, the sales done. And that's when our business, you know, really accelerated was with that, that first move. Right. One uh, sort of business question relative to anytime you're shipping the freight of beverages. You know, people always, we talk to folks all the time about starting a brand, and a lot of people want to do a beverage. They like drinking stuff. It seems like it's pretty straightforward. But what they don't understand, and 
till a week in to their big idea is the freight cost of shipping beverages around, right? How did you guys approach that? Was it geographic focus for paid? We wrote checks. That's the reality of it, right? I mean, because at a a small scale, you don't have the volume to say, I'm going to set up six production facilities all over the country and we're going to limit the amount of water, right, that we ship all over the place. So in our case, our product is mostly water and it's refrigerated and it's in a really heavy glass bottle. And we make it in one spot and we ship it to every state in the country. That's a terrible model from an efficiency perspective. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible. But we are just this year getting to a point where we can we can manufacture in multiple locations and, and start to eliminate some of that freight. Because you're already making it and then shipping it from that spot to the customer at least somewhat geographically. Right. Closer. And you know, try and build it into your price and, and do what you can to recover that cost. But it's a big number. I mean it's a it's more than a million a year for us. Wow. Wow. This has been so incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thank you so much uh, uh Chris for coming on to the Natural Underground. We've so enjoyed having you. As you mentioned, we've known you for a while, but wanted to get you on here. Um, Look, to our listeners, make sure to follow Chameleon on social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe it's at Chameleon Coffee, I think. uh, Is that correct, Jessalyn? At Chameleon Coffee on... Hey, look, I'm right here. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that was weird. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Chameleon Cold Brew is like two letters too long. So it's at Chameleon Coffee and then Chameleon Cold Brew on Facebook. Instagram is probably our, our sort of fastest growing channel. So we do some cool stuff visually there. Spectacular. Thank you for coming. Thank, Thank you. you so Absolutely much. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, that wraps up this week's The Natural Underground, brought to you by New Brand University and the Touch Agency, offering integrated brand building to over 100 brands in the natural channel. If you have any questions or comments on today's show, or if you want to get your own brand off the ground, email us at info at newbranduniversity.com. We would love to hear from you. We also invite you to join The Natural Underground community on Facebook. That's the show for this week. Thanks again. You're listening to The Natural Underground. See